Good morning, comrades. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. You can get more information about our show at goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, we have Jeff and Robin. We have uh, several guests this week, and I'm really excited uh, about this show. First off, Robert. Hey, how you doing, pal? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, just uh, playing boomer shooters. I'm playing the RoboCop game, which is... <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pretty good game uh, on the cheap. It reminds me, I, I hope the same studio makes a Starship Troopers game because that movie becomes, not the book, but the movie becomes more and more relevant every day. It's like Starship Troopers is just, um, it's it's barely a, um, a a satire of the state of Israel in America. But um, yeah, having fun over here as the world burns. Great. Well, we have four guests this week. And uh, first, uh, I'm just going to introduce uh, you all in uh, just in the order that I see you on my screen. First off, we have a returning champion. Uh, she is a uh, human rights lawyer. Uh, her name is Sabrine. Sabrine, welcome back to Good Morning Comrade. How are you? Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. And then next we have Aisha. Aisha, how are you? Hey, doing good. <laughs> All right. Um, then we have Noor. Noor, hello. If you want to just introduce yourselves. Hi, my name is Noor, Palestinian student from New Orleans. All right, cool. Did you want to uh, just sort of say anything about um, your background or anything like that, Aisha? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Forgot. Um, Palestinian, Nicaraguan, Christian, too. Um, recently moved to New Orleans like two years ago, maybe. Cool. And then we have Anna. Hi, um, I'm Anna, and I'm a writer, musician, educator, affiliated with the Jewish Voice for Peace and Co-op New Orleans. Great. And then finally, just joined us, we have Alexis. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Alexis. Um, I'm an attorney by trade. Um, but I've been involved in the Black Palestinian Solidarity Movement for over a decade in many uh, factions and have been to the region um, and was planning on going back to the region before lockdown, um, but it had to get canceled. Right. Well, thank you all for, like I said before, for joining us today. Um, and yeah, so um, as many of us, I mean, we've, we've done extensive coverage on this uh, on this program of the uh the i mean the events of um october october 7th and also the uh i mean the slaughter retaliation uh by by israel and i just wanted to kind of get some uh you know get some guests on here some people who are uh, have connections to uh these things a lot more closely than we do and who are who are people that are on the ground and um you know, being active in in spaces that are promoting uh, really the just general <laughs> the 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 end of this genocide and slaughter, and also furthermore the end of the occupation in uh, in the, in Palestine. So, thank you all for joining us. Um, just to sort of kick it off, Robert, do uh, you want to take it away? Um, yeah, I mean, so I um, I am also, I guess, uh, we're not journalists. Obviously, we're just idiots who talk on a podcast um but i am not objective in this everybody who's listened to the show for more than uh two minutes um knows my uh my views on the 
I almost said annexation, but the occupation of Palestine. And so I have joined um, myself. I've joined Jewish Voices for Peace, uh, mostly because like a selfish reason. I have a I have a Jewish father. He um, he converted to Judaism kind of late in his life. Um, just, you know, big, bald, six foot two black guy with a yarmulke walking around, you know, Tampa, Florida. And I really want a Palestine. I mean, a a state of Israel, I should say, that he he can actually go visit and not be harassed. And that's kind of, you know, because he, he's he's a liberal at heart. And, um, you know, he's like, well, you know, it's really he hit me with the it's complicated. And I was like, you know, what's complicated, dad, is you you really couldn't go to the place that's supposed to be your, you know, your religious home without being harassed um, as most people of color are, you know, in that ethno state. And so selfishly, I'd like to, you know, my, my opinion is the state of Israel is done uh, one way or the other. It's just, are they going to be completely isolated from the world or are they going to do the right thing and end the apartheid? I want them to end the apartheid for both the Palestinians and the, you know, the people in Israel who, you know, aren't terrible people. So that's kind of my, my selfish reason. And I joined Jewish Voices for Peace because I thought it'd be a way to connect with my father. And I also see that I also thought it would give me cover as being like, oh, you're in Jewish Voices for Peace. You can't be anti-Semitic. But I've gone on a journey to learn that is not the case. Um, you know, just some re- some some reading I've done, you know, people like the ADL seem to have it out for Jewish Voices for Peace for the most like inane things like like you read their it's like this dossier i'm reading and it's it's like do you know these people want you know they want human rights and civil rights for palestinians this is this must they're the far left this must be you know stopped and i'm like oh i guess i joined up with the right people so i guess maybe it might be helpful to um sort of reset and just talk about where we're at with um Really, really, with what what's going on in Gaza, what the um, what the Israeli government is saying, and what the Israeli military is doing, uh, can anyone sort of uh, provide some information on that, uh, on what's going on, and then also we can get into a little bit of what's happening, uh, not just in New Orleans, but also more broadly in terms of resistance. Yeah. So tomorrow will be two months of this ongoing genocide occurring in Gaza. We know this all started with a military, what, whatever you want to call it, a military um, battle with that started with Hamas crossing over into what Israel considers its borders. Um, you know, I said this last time I was on the show, I'll say it again. I'm of the opinion that Hamas cannot invade or occupy Israel because the land belongs to them and you cannot occupy or invade what is rightfully yours. But uh, here we are, two months of complete bombardment of Gaza, no food, no water, no electricity, no medication, no, no running hospitals, no running UN schools or any type of facilities that can operate as shelter and safety. And though we are seeing a shift in the narrative on, you know, in Western, Western countries, we're not seeing much pressure being put on Israel besides from people on the, you know, common people on the grounds. Um, I will say as an attorney, we are seeing lawsuits pop up that we've never seen before, have never been filed before, which, you know, I think is, is landmark and, you know, really incredible. And I think we are at 
a point we've never been at when it comes to Palestine and people understanding Israel for what it what it is, which is an ethno apartheid state that, you know, was created on genocide, massacre, killing, brutality and violence. And it seems that that is the way they will go out. I think that's where we're at right now. I um I I have a I have a question. It's kind of the question that's been asked, you know, all over the place is that so just the average person, like I consider myself in that, like, you know, we can go to marches, we can, uh, we can do BDS. Um, but like, do you have any other recommendations of, of things we can do to support Palestinians, you know, and here in the West, because I, I really truly feel like this. I've told Jeff like this offline, I've told Jeff, Jeff this offline that I feel like this is the thing I want to devote the rest of my life to, because I just really feel that there's so many intersect intersectional things, intersectional things as far as like the IDF trains, you know, the United States police force, um, the idea that like, it's, this, this is an apartheid state, the idea that this is a, you know, a, a unofficial colony that we prop up here in the West and the, and the United States is, is, is sunsetting as far as like an imperial power. So I just feel like there's so many different things that connect, but what, you know, what the million dollar question is, what, what can I do besides, cause I feel, you know, I, I'm going to marches, I'm doing the thing. Is there anything else I can do? I do. Um, so I do want to add um, quickly, I want to make sure that the folks who are Palestinian are the people who are speaking the most, but I will say that um, BDS is working. We see how um, the boycotts of Starbucks um, and a couple of other big franchises, and that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head right now, um, are losing like millions and billions of dollars um, and boycotting sales um, if you do have the capacity to, um, instead of purchasing gifts um, for Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, um, foregoing that and either donating money to um, humanitarian aid or um, supporting uh, Palestinians. And we know that the the humanitarian aid is, I mean, it's spotty and shoddy in terms of getting into Gaza right now, but um, diverting your money to other places um, and to Palestinian owned businesses in New Orleans um, and in the Metro New Orleans area um, to show and demonstrate that we're not going to do business as usual. We're not going to be celebrating the holidays, especially when the person who is allegedly the reason why we have Christmas was a Palestinian Jew. Um, and there's not a lot of conversation around that. So having that as an opportunity as diverting dollars is really important. Um, I do also think organizing and speaking to um, members of your family, uh, members of your community, um, and having that cross-cultural solidarity is really important as well. Um, and there are a lot, I'm sure we're gonna get into a lot more of what's going on in the New Orleans area, um, you know, this weekend um, and upcoming, but I do wanna emphasize that those things do really matter in terms of what we're doing. Um, also, you mentioned police training, but also there, um, a lot of the surveillance equipment that's used um, in major cities are imported from 
the surveillance equipment that was uh, created uh, through the Israeli um, oppressive forces. Um, and so a lot of even the surveillance equipment that you see, the police cameras and things in New Orleans um, are um, from Israel and are were made on the backs of Palestinian oppression. Um, so just that small political education to see how ingrained um, and how intertwined we are in the oppression of Palestinian people on a regular basis, I think is also very helpful. And thank you, Alexis, for uh, respecting Progressive Stack. We are big fans of Progressive Stack over here. Um, yeah, no, I I completely agree. Um, but there's a lot of people here in the New Orleans community that, like, even my wife, for example, we cohabitate. And she's not as pl – I'm just lucky enough to, to know one or two people who can plug me in. So if you're just a guy or, or a guy, gal, or non-binary pal listening to this right now, like, where – how, how how would that person plug in? Anybody? Um, I just wanted to say, I think to be a good ally is to stay connected, to realize that this is a marathon, not a not a sprint. And um, also my friend Marco said that. He said, like, this is a marathon, not a sprint. So, um, like, people were boycotting. They were doing good. And then after a few weeks, they kind of stopped. And that's like a problem. We're boycotting until change. We're educating until change. Like this is not just like a, a, a trend. This is not just something that's going to pass by and we'll go back to normal. We're not going back to normal. We're, we're going, we're like pushing for change. We're pushing for like reconstruction. And um, so I've gotten messages like people are learning. They're like learning from our stories, learning from like... Um, you know, all of like the stuff that we're sharing. So I think that it's like so amazing that we can use social media as our outlet to like express our voices and to share the truth. So, and I've seen people who are very silent, like start posting. And I, um, I really like that because it's like, it's never too late to join the cause. Like we're open, we're opening our arms to everyone who wants to join. Like it doesn't matter when you join. So I think it's just staying connected, staying educated, talking to those racist family members, like having those conversations. Like it's, yeah, that's to be a good ally is to make those connections to your life too. Cause obviously what's happening in Palestine affects everybody here too. If you, if you really dig deep. Totally. You are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Get more information about our show on goodmorningcomrade.com. Uh, we have several guests today. Uh, we are talking about uh, the ongoing uh, slaughter in, Ga in Gaza and also sort of the the political um, sort of moves that a lot of the, um, you know, with the U.S. government and uh, uh, ways to resist it uh, can possibly be. Um, we have Sabrine. Aisha, Alexis, Anna, and Noor uh, joining us. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for being here. Um, I did want to um, actually touch on a point that you brought up, Noor, um, which was the, to have these conversations with family members and just to sort of make sure that we're constantly educating and it is a, it is a, a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I, I actually, this, this um, particular instance of... Um, you know, of 
aggression by um, by Israel has been. I mean, this is not the first time. Uh, I remember 2014. I remember Operation Cast Lead. I remember m- multiple. Um, I mean, the the occupation. I mean, the settlers in the West Bank never stopped. They just continue encroaching on on Palestinian territory out there. But this that this is a time that I can actually, for the first time in my life, or at least in a very long time, uh, that I can remember that that. Uh, actually seeing Palestinians as human beings is um, is probably at an all-time high. Did anybody want to just sort of like talk about that and how we could potentially take this as an opportunity to to essentially uh, not, not just, I mean, it seems like the narrative is already changing on this, but also like how can we use that to push for 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 actual policy changes and, and actual, um, you know, end to this, 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 this horribleness? Sorry, I just want to say um, there's definitely been an issue with the humanizing or the humanizing Palestinians and their stories and their narratives. And that's where social media really comes into play. Uh, Like Noor said, you know, we share these stories not because we like sharing gore or like we like sharing the the absolutely atrocious things that are happening. It's because people in Gaza are actually telling us share these things. It's hard to see, but if we're do, living this through our daily lives and you're comfortable in your home and you're watching this and you don't feel angry or upset about how your elected officials are supporting this or staying neutral, it's, I feel like, really pushes people to a place where they say, hey, these are actual human beings that are asking me to share their stories and not stay quiet. And backtracking a little bit to the BDS thing, it's a great movement, I think. Um, I I don't remember the name of the scholar, but he once said that BDS really scares the state of Israel because we're talking money. We're talking actual physical like things that we give like value to, and that scares any sort of regime ever. And it's definitely I've definitely as a young person, you know, I've seen this like shift into these like it feels like a trend for some people to this thing of like oh I'm a boycott for like a week or something, and then they go back. But it's like Noor said, we have to keep this going until we actually see the steps toward the actual liberation that we need. And it starts with, you know, they received a pause, a humanitarian pause. And it was a slap in the face, honestly. It was like a few days of, hey, we're going to stop bombing you, but we're going to go back then. And we don't need that. What we want is complete liberation for Palestinian territories and Palestinian lives. And we're slowly pushing these things. You know, we're going step by step. Organizers understand that, you know, we're not going to liberate Palestine tomorrow by just going out to that. It's like things that have been like building up. And I think that as someone who's young and sees all these people like actually getting into this like movement and like actually staying and engaging and connecting what happens in Palestine with their lives and what happens in the U.S. and in New Orleans, for example, it's really a great thing to see it's also hard because you have family members uh there's a lot of issues you know with how Zionism has infiltrated Christian spaces and and as someone who's Christian and, and is also in the Latin American community it's like very hard to manage when you have these conversations and the starting point has to be the core religious beliefs of someone and then you have to start those conversations from there 
Yeah, a hundred percent, especially on that issue of um I mean there are there are a lot of Christian Zionists in the United States, um, probably outnumbered even Jewish Zionists by a large degree, I would say, at least in raw numbers. Um, and I mean, there's a whole, a whole logic to that. That's, that's really actually extremely anti-Semitic too. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, just to sort of kind of move forward in terms of, um, uh, in terms of, um, what is happening and what has been happening in, in New Orleans specifically, what has, um, been the, um, what has been sort of the on the ground sort of activist um, response and what are the sort of points to, uh, for pressure and, and what have been sort of the demands, at least locally? Um, I, don't, I don't think we've heard from Anna. Um, would you be able to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'd like to quickly touch on the last point um, about uh, Christian Zion. Zionism and something Robert said at the beginning, and then talk about the specific demands of activists, if that's okay. Um, uh, absolutely. The, yeah, there are more Christian Zionists than there are Jews alive in the world. And the Zionism began as a Christian white supremacist imperial project that later collaborated with by wealth, a wealthy group of European Jews that became the Zionists that basically through the masses of Jews under the bus. Um, and Zionism has always been a settler colonial project. And um, like I'm a writer educator, so I always think about words and we think about the word Israel and you know the religious meaning of the word Israel, like Israel means to wrestle with God. And a lot of the um, teachings of Judaism around Israel and the temple, these are metaphorical teachings about your relationship to creator and about the soul's journey and they are not supposed to be talking about a nation state even if it is talking about a specific land my view is if you go settler colonialize that land to try to do that you've kind of forfeited your point there um can I, can so I, there's can I I'm sorry, can I just jump in and just say, like, just to summarize to what I think I hear you're saying is that there is a conflation that takes place in the modern sort of like sense of a nation state that sort of conflates a people, which would be Jewish people, and a, a state, which is something that's a modern concept. Is that sort of correct? Totally, totally. So, um, so the, the idea that, um, Israel and the nation state of Israel and all Jews returning to Israel being the religious home of Jews is a Christian Zionist originated idea that Zionists then collaborated on um, for imperial goals. Um, so I think that's a really important distinction to make and it's one that a lot of people are learning through and unpacking and I think that one of the reasons that it's might be hard is to really get to the place. oh israel that nation state does not have a right to exist we're going to have to grapple with colonialism as a whole which is this core wound globally that uh, we haven't really pulled the knife out to quote Malcolm X. <laughs> so before, before i can go down so i i also think it's really like um like and, and sorry if I'm just sort of jumping in too much and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think it's really important to sort of 
talk about how the a lot of the rhetoric goes around right now, the idea that someone um, might think that, you know, Israel as a state um, does not have a right to exist or is or is critical of the state of Israel or anything like that. We literally just had a few days ago in Congress a bill that conflated the idea of anti-Semitism and um, anti-Zionism, which is just which is just like uh, I mean, it is the U.S. Congress essentially officially stating that if you are critical of this of this thing that is actually not settled, even even amongst Jewish people, that you are mm-hmm. that you are anti which is just which is just so completely outrageous well yeah two things on that one you have like a majority christian and this is all happening in the concept context of white supremacy and colonialism and imperialism and capitalism everything else is just using different things as tools for that um so yeah you have a majority white christian congress saying there's this is a way basically making a whole mass of Jewish people who are kind of radicalizing, saying these are now bad Jews. (laughs) So that is nothing new. Um, And the second point on that is I think that it shows that they're scared and that they know the tide is turning. And um, so, yes, it has repercussions, but I've tried to stay grounded from a place of like, yeah, why they might be doing that. Um, So, yeah, I can definitely go more into that but to take it to the local context um and everyone else here can also speak to that um the port of new orleans uh in 2022 established a quote-unquote strategic partnership with the port of ashdod um in the settler colonial state of israel which does not have right to exist states don't have rights (laughs) colonies don't have rights people arguably have rights um, but that's another topic. So they have a strategic partnership, and um, one of the local campaigns that has started is called No Ship. There's a No Ship account on Instagram now. New Orleans, stop helping Israeli. The P, I forget the P. Ports. Um, ports. Ports. Thank you. Um, so um, we can be doing BDS, we can do be campaigning, we can also directly try to block shipments that are going out. Some of the white phosphorus that Israel has um, used as uh, magical warfare had been manufactured in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, more research being done. So um, boycott, divest, sanctions, um, political avenues, and also no ship, the port, the connection with the port there is really big. We can stop the arms industry. G4S has three offices in Louisiana. Um, so get connected to an organization there. And then another another piece to talk about is um, that there will be more work on is Charity Hospital um, that might um, rally more lineans that might know the story of Charity Hospital and how um, Kathleen Blanco like blocked it from being renovated after Hurricane Katrina, and um, lo and behold, an Israeli developer is part of the group that is trying to develop Charity Hospital, and so as part of those decisions being made, so there also will be a campaign to sort of expose that, and we could keep going, but Tulane University is a classic example of. Um, a institution with strong Zionist ties, and it's no coincidence that 
Um, it's also institution with a legacy um, of connection to slavery held accountable for that in our city. So there's going to be a lot of overlap there. Um, and so I see a lot of potential for um, the political education and storytelling and um, organizing around that in addition to the mobilizing that's happening with the, the marches and um, all that beautiful stuff. Great. Thank you. Uh, you were listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have several guests today. We have Sabrine, Aisha, Alexis, Anna, and Noor uh, joining us on the on the program. We're talking about Palestine and uh, some of the some of the things that have happened since um, the latest incursion that the uh, um, that the Israeli military has been, you know, advancing and slaughtering, you know, civilians in in Gaza and also advancing in the West Bank as well. Um, I, I, Anna just mentioned uh, some of uh, specifically she meant she mentioned um, the the no ship, which is a, a, an effort to put pressure and to stop uh, the port of New Orleans from dealing with um, with um, some some shipping companies from from Israel. Uh, which is which is a great idea. It also reminded me of uh, the block the broke protests in 2014. I think it was. Does anybody else want to sort of uh, talk about some things that have happened? I know there have been some fairly large protests in the area as well, or um, anything else that's happening down there. Um, just wanted to say, you know, as someone who goes to college, university, I think it's important to highlight the efforts that students are putting into organizing. It's it's actually encouraging to see how many students are, you know, showing up, making plans, like being in the forefront of organi organizing with all these other people. And it's um, at the University of New Orleans, you know, it's the, I think only LSU has a chapter of Students for Justice in Palestine outside of UNO. We're the only two that has like an actual organization on campus like that. Um, then I know there are efforts to bring the Palestinian youth movement, a chapter here, which is a national thing too, same as the Students for Justice in Palestine. People are actually taking the steps to try and bring spaces for everybody in any walk of life to come in and feel like they have a space to organize for Palestine. I feel like um, students sometimes underestimate what their efforts are, are worth. And once you actually are given the platform and the space to go ahead and make sure that your voice is heard, then you actually feel like you're doing something. I've had a lot of people that, you know, I've never really been involved with organizing and they started coming into protests and they started telling me, hey, you know, I'm seeing you repose the March thing, the March information, the location stuff, and I show up and they ask for tips. You know, it's my first March, it's my first protest. What do I do? How can I protect myself? Um, what other actions, you know, like you guys asked, can I take besides just showing up? And it's actually, so like nice to see how New Orleans is coming together to show up for Palestine. Um, on that in that vein, I was going to ask a question of. Um, so I've said this to Jeff on on previously on the air that the thing that organizations like the SAP and the JVP and other organizations have been able to do is dismantle or um yeah dismantle decouple i would say uh judaism from zionism but it seems like it was done so quickly like i'm 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 old i'm 42 and i just don't remember any time in my life where it was just like 
Israeli propaganda comes out and it's immediately just shut down, you know, with sources that have it shut down and, and tossed aside and laughed at. And is it just social media? Like, it, it feels like there's more than that, but maybe it just is. Like, how, I guess the question is, how are y'all so successful? Why now? Why, why is it so successful now? Where it felt like in the past, it was just like, there's this brick wall that no, that no, no light could penetrate. If I could take a quick stab and then um, pass it on to one of my other <clears throat> folks. Um, I think it's really important to know and remember that the moments of October 7th are one blip in a long history of um, the occupation, suppression, and genocide of the Palestinian people. It's either uh, an acute moment of genocide, like we're seeing currently, um, or long, slow genocide um, over the last 75 years since the Nakba in 1947 to 1948. And even prior to that, the Israeli uh, settler colonial project um, had started um, prior to the Nakba. Um, so there is a this whole fight, this whole process of erasing a people from their land is very long and the resistance movement is just as long. The, the history, the culture of the people is longer than the resistance movement. And so I think that one thing that's important to try and do during this moment is to contextualize what's happening currently in the history um, of solidarity movements. And there are a lot of people um, who have been in solidarity with Palestinians for a long time, um, who now I think are just being heard. Because uh, it was mostly, sometimes you have to, with truth, people can't hear truth until they're ready to listen. Um, and I think we are uh, just very well primed to be in a moment where we can actually hear truth and hear and hear people's pain um, in a way that we haven't before, given kind of a lot of the different disconnects that have been happening between people and government, um, given the struggles that people are going through in their own lives and able in order to make ends meet at the, you know, within the late stage capitalism that we're in. We're just in a moment now where people are ready to hear the cries of people who have been screaming for decades. Um, so I think it's it's that. And I think that a lot of people who are in the movement and who are grounding the movement um, are people who have been in this for a very long time um, and kind of know the, the red herrings, the talking points, the tactics, because um, a lot of the strategies that we're employing currently are just things that have been employed in the past. Um, so I think that there's a lot of just repetition. And when you see things coming to fruition, it's it's not because it's just been happening. It's because it's been happening for a very long time. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, does anybody else want to ring in on that before I interrogate you with more questions? I just wanted you want to go first, Aisha. I just want to say something about the um, the resolution uh, like, equating anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. I think it was meant to scare people into afraid to use their voices so they can, you know, but I believe that there is no power other than in God. So if anyone thinks that 
I'm afraid of backlash or controversy, then they're wrong because we're going to keep using our voices regardless. Also, um, I'm personally, I was very like shocked at people's, um, people like, I guess, waking up and questioning the narratives and like, why now? I think people are finally starting to realize like the power our voices hold. Um, we feel pretty insignificant um, because the big people in power are the ones making all the laws and the rules. But I think people are just realizing that our voices do matter and using it will bring change. So I think that's like, why now? Um, also, being like Muslim Palestinian and being born into a post 9-11 uh, world, that propaganda, what the Western propaganda was really used to continue their actions in Middle Eastern countries, like, you know, in Palestine as well. So um, I think that they created social media to, you know, use that propaganda against the people that they want to oppress, but it turned against them, you know, now we're using it to deflake, to show the truth. And yeah, that's what I want to say. I wanted to jump in on that too. Um, <clears throat> you know, like Alexis said, it's a, a thing where things, it's blocks, you know, you start seeing oppression since years ago, like our great grandfathers, my great grandmother, you know, we know these stories and, and people start slowly seeing them. You see uh, the tides slowly turning, but I also feel like it's a combination of, of things of Things are building up. You see all this oppression and you see all these things. But also, I do feel like as a generation, and in, in I don't know, it's like we have this thing where it's like we're sensitive to social media and how it's used. And it becomes this thing of that sounds obviously fake. You know, we, we're questioning everything. And it can be a good thing and also a bad thing. I've seen the two sides of it. And as Noor said, you know, I feel like the purpose of this was oh social media is going to be used as a weapon to just further beat us propaganda and you're going to fall for it but we're seeing this thing where people are like what do you mean we're not going to fall for it it's very obvious that you're lying and you know i always think back on this quote by audrey lore which she's a black feminist activist writer you know she's awesome and i'm paraphrasing the quote very badly but she said you know that america has never been on the right side of history ever so it's like they told those stories Iraq, you know, and we see the reper repercussions in there and people are like, hey, maybe what they're telling us is not okay. So maybe I should be questioning this constantly and questioning using my critical thinking skills. I feel like a lot of people sadly lack, lack that and this is helping them see that, hey, not everything that my family has told me that I see on the news is true. So I should be questioning every single piece of information that comes to me. And I think that that's a good thing. I think it's good that we're waking up that way. Totally. Uh, it's like not, not only is it that people's voices have been repeating this for many, many years, but it's also never been more clear what's going on in terms of what the what not not only uh, the, the Israeli government and the Israeli military are doing, which is a genocide, but also the United States. I, I even hesitate to call it complicity because it's, I mean, it's largely directed or yeah, maybe not directed. We're driving the car. Like, um, if there was any, if there was any kind of like way that the United States wanted to sort of derail this thing, the United States obviously could. And there's not, that's not happening. <laughs> so it's, it's very, very clear that, uh, 
the the complicity of of the United States in this this you know proposed genocide. And, and, and again, if you look at what the Israeli government is saying, like they're essentially telling people to go to South Gaza and then they're bombing South Gaza. They bombed the, uh, one of the like evacuation routes when they told people to take that evacuation route at the beginning of this whole thing. It's like it's really, really just a, a, a it could not be more like in your face. Robert. No, I was going to say, yeah, that's um, we're not we're not the the kid in the car doing the drive by. America is is the driver. Like we're not we're not an accessory to murder. We we definitely are the murderers. But uh, something I, I thought of while I was listening to all those really good explanations answers to my question. I'm sorry. I'm is, sorry. I'm sorry. I got I got to just yeah, like, go put an extra super like fine point. Ahead, like we had a State Department official like literally like two days ago like one of the most like blood on your hands arms brokers to Israel and like to like most of the most of the uh like like dirty di- you know dirty weapon shipments the united states does resigned because he thought that this was too horrible i'm sorry robert go on no you're you're right and that's kind of we've talked about this jeff and i ranted about this um is that you know i am a, a lot of you uh you you young folk um you younger people don't have that like 911 baggage that you know us old farts do and you know even myself like i've I was talking to, you know, one of my Muslim friends. I was like, I still have that sickness that li- that that lives in me, which is an insane thing. Like, I'm just biracial, but people look at me and they're like, I don't know where this guy's from. I don't know what, what his deal is. So it's like, it's even weird that I have this, like, I have this sickness that's inside of me. And what I mean by that, I was talking to one of my Muslim friends and we're going to, you know, the, the Palestine rallies and the marches and stuff. And I was like, you know, when I step foot in these spaces, like the first thing, the knee-jerk reaction is, man, it's a lot of Muslims here. And I'm just like, why, why do I think that? And it's, it's that it's a 9-11 sickness that just got like put into all of us that y'all, you know, if you're under a certain age, like you're free from that. You can look at it objectively and not subjectively like what's put in, you know, been, been put in our brains. Um, but yeah, like it's, ugh, it's, it's, I'm just so happy for you know i would say like you you kids but i'm just so happy for like the younger people aren't are are you know it's it's kind of a sadness too because so many young people i don't want to say checked out they're just so like well what is there like there's no the social contract has been broken is what i'm trying to say i know i'm going on a tangent for people like of our age like jeff and us there was a social contract of keep your mouth shut you know, wave the flag and go to college and and work your 40 hours a week and everything will turn out right fine. And it's not like that anymore. And, you know, ironically, the people in Israel are going through the same thing. They were like, keep your mouth shut. Let us do whatever we want to, you know, the Palestinians and we'll keep you safe, you know. And then that social contract is now broken too. So now you've got people, they're not left wing, they're still right wing, but they're just like, hey, you told us if we supported fascism, you would keep us safe and now you're not. So, you know, what's going on? And I feel like it's kind of the same way here in the US to where, you know, like people like me, I would, you know, I would say I'm left wing, but we've always thought, you know, America does dirty stuff, you know, throughout the world. We know, you know, they're doing stuff like Guantanamo, but you know, all the dirty stuff we do, there, there's an end to it. That's like our values of being like, you know, we would never cross a line. 
but here we are. We've not we've not crossed the line. We sprinted over that line, and there's no there's no stop. And it's just for me personally, it's like a lot of what I thought were American values. I've realized, you know, is just nonsense. It's it's nonsense. It's a lie. It's a scam. And so here we are looking at the world as it actually is. But again, I'm just I'm just so thankful for groups like you guys, and and just thankful that you guys are willing to put your your time and your bodies on the line to you know support the emancipation of Palestinian people. It's, this is going back a little bit to the whole uh, metaphor, you know, like America is the driver, not the backseat, like sitting in the back. Um, it makes me think of when Biden, you know, years before he was even president, like right now the guy is sure or president, but years before he went, you know, if Israel didn't exist, we will have to create one because we need one. It's everything's about power and control and then exerting this imperialistic like mission in, in the Middle East. And um with things being more in our faces, you know, I was I don't like, you know, there's people that really trust institutions like the UN and sort of like this big organizations. And when the I think his position is high commissioner of the Human Rights Council, he resigned. And, you know, he went to this letter saying, this is textbook genocide. And the hardest thing with putting the word genocide into something is that you have to know the intent. The intent needs to be there and it's to be clear. And they're more than clear. They're crystal clear that they want Gaza to disappear, that they are going to keep taking land from Palestinians. And it's like, it has never been more in their faces, like you guys were saying. And, and people that are those are talking points that I use for people that really have their trust in institutions. And it's like, hey, the UN, literally, the guy dipped and he said, hey, this is genocide. And I'm so disappointing how we failed them time and time again. And I feel like those points are really like nice to bring up when you know somebody who really has this trust in what the international organizations say or do. Yeah. I want to add... Um, an Israeli and a, and a Palestinian, two professors, they went on a tour in the United States and somebody asked the, the two professors about this American support for Israel. And the Israeli professor said, if America stopped advocating and supporting Israel, the state of Israel would crumble within 24 hours. And so I, I think what's happening in America is people are seeing this billion number. They're constantly seeing it of how much we are sending to America as, I mean, to Israel as American life is crumbling. I mean, we have a housing crisis. We have an education problem. We have, there are so many problems. Like the American life is not, I think it's at the lowest it has ever been since the creation of this nation. And so you finally have people starving in, in every aspect of life. I don't, I don't mean food. I mean, like they are starving. And so they are finally, they're angry enough to point the finger. And it has finally become clear that America is the root of all of these problems, whether they be happening on American streets or, you know, in the Middle East. And so people are finally just like, at that tipping point where they're like, my life is so horrible, I'm ready to revolt. American people are just like ignorant and they're comfortable. And if you give them a little, just a little bit, they'll they'll be quiet and they'll go on with their lives. But they have made American life so 
hard on people that they can no longer just go on and shut up. Like they are so miserable. No, I completely, I completely agree with you. Um, Sabine, especially when you see stuff like the abandoned Biden movement um, coming, you know, the ask the coming from Muslims and Arabs of not to vote for Joe Biden, as long as, you know, uh, we're funding a genocide and, you know, it seems like all the things that were supposed to terrify us and especially people of color and to, you know, whip us into line to, you know, tow the Democratic Party line have have evaporated because you can't scare us with Trump. You can't scare us with, you know, oh, the, it's going to be worse under these guys. It's like it's already bad now. Like, what, what are we going to do? And you can't tell me about how democracy is going to end when you know, the state, the Democratic Party of Florida has has voted to not have a primary in Florida. So you can't tell me about like, oh, you're, if you stay home, you're going to be ending democracy while we sit down here in Florida and end democracy. So it's like there's there's no power to there's 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 nothing to control us with anymore. There's nothing. And a lot of people and I would include myself in that we've crossed over a fear like I've heard activists call it the fear barrier. And when you cross that, it's like opening a door and you close it behind you and the world looks completely different and you can't go back to the way it was. But, but like you were saying, Sabrina, like there's so many ways, like my arguments of why, why Palestinians must have emancipation. I have so, there's so many ways to go about it because there's just so many ways that people are, are hurting here in the West to where, you know, if you don't care anything about you don't you know you're like i i don't care anything about those arabs i don't care anything about palestinians i hope they all die okay then why why are three billion dollars a year going going to israel and you don't have health care why 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 can your kid not attend college paid for by the you paid for by the country that they live and pay taxes in but this this weird little colony that has a, an ethnostate cult can have three billion dollars a year for what and it just it doesn't make any sense to most people anymore. When they're talking, Robert, I'm seeing like the cracks of light coming in the Death Star, and the Death Star <laughs> start to explode in Star Wars, which George Lucas recently admitted that the um, Empire in the Death Star is the, supposed to be the U.S. Um, so you might hear there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in, or there. There's nothing so holds a broken heart and just all those cracks coming in the um, facade really um, of American values and what has that ever meant? Like, um, yeah, that's um, our country was founded on genocide um, and that has not been reckoned with. So I think that's a big part of what's happening. Um, Europe has not reckoned with like global imperialism um and if you think about palestine not only is it um a military outpost a strategic outpost that separates africa from asia and potentially cr controls the canal and all that stuff it's also like a mythological spiritual base think about the holy land like, like this isn't new like crusaders have been trying to like take over that space for hundreds of years um so, prior to the Roman Empire. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's like behind it. And I'm encouraged like to hear you sharing, uh, Robert, um, just your changes in in perspective and how we can like 
um, let those cracks in. And, and also there was a great talk on, um, um, it's between Shlomo Yitz and Daniel Mate, who is the son of Gabor, Dr. Gabor Mate. Um, for anyone who is in, interested in a Jewish teaching angle on some things. Um, and it's called Two Jews on a Couch. And Daniel is talking about like the door only swings one way. No one has thought like we need to dismantle the empire and build something new and free Palestine and then gone in the door and changed their mind and say, no, actually like American values. The door has never swung that way. The door only swings one way. So people are only swinging through the door this way into realizing that we need a free, free Palestine. We free everyone because all our liberation and oppression is connected to global capitalist empire and that way we have the advantage people are swinging through the door they're not going back through the door the other way so yeah let's organize around that thank you and um so we're uh, as we wind down we only have about five minutes left um i just want to give anybody a chance to sort of get a last word in um so i'll go in reverse of the order that we started with so we can start with alexis this time Sure. There's a lot I there's a lot I could say, um, but I I think I'm going to focus on Black Palestinian solidarity um, and what that means and what that looks like and why that exists. Um, so, like Anna said, uh, the United States was founded on genocide and it was built on the backs of enslaved Africans. Um, and in a very similar fashion, a lot of the comforts that we have as Americans. Um, are built on the backs of oppressed Palestinians, are built on the backs of people in the mines in Congo, are built on the backs of people in Haiti and people of Hawaii. Um, all of our uh, struggles against oppression and struggles for liberation are connected. Um, and they are not only connected by our, our oppressor, they are connected by our resilience, by our... Um, tactics to liberate ourselves um, in many ways. Uh, from Ferguson, uh, when Palestinians were sharing with Black organizers how to deal with the tactics, um, all the way back to um, the Black Panther Party sharing letters with political prisoners in Palestine, all the way back to people coming um, during the Intifada from Chad in Africa to support Palestinians in their liberation movement, um, all the way back uh, to people from Africa going to Palestine um, and there being a strong Afro-Palestinian community within Palestine. Um, there is actually a little Africa in Jerusalem um, that I had the ability to go to. Um, and there, it, there is, there's just such a rich and deep history of us working together, sharing information, and not only being there for one another um, in our deaths, but m absolutely in our lives and being able to celebrate with each other, be able to share things. Um, another thing that I love is this idea that we talk about um, in terms of trying to build power um, of community land trusts. That was something that Black um, activists in the 60s and 70s, um, and I think in the 50s all as well, learned from Palestinian olive farmers um, when the land was starting to be taken by the Israeli settler colonial state. So the ties are very, very deep. Um, and I think it's really important for us, um, particularly as Black people, 
people of color, people who want to be in solidarity with this movement to know that the solidarity has been there for a very long time um, and just tap into that ancestral knowledge um, and that existing knowledge currently um, to continue to not only be there in the moment of Palestinian death, but be there in the moment of Palestinian life as well. Thank you, Alexis. Anna. Oh, um, yeah, there's a lot I could say too, and um, I don't have too much to add, but um, thinking about what Alexis said um, about the olive trees in the land, as a cooperator, like I'm learning that political power has always been built on shared economic power. So um, that's something to think about. And then also um, thinking about the the land and um, uh, yeah, I guess I want to call in uh, my Irish ancestors who um, originated the term boycott. I recently learned that there was a British colonizer named something boycott. Um, and I'm proud that um, Irish people stand with Palestine and have been resisting British colonialism for a thousand years. Um, so this is like a really uh, global movement and uh, I'm encouraged to see people coming together and it's tragic that it's happening um, over so many people being martyred yeah. and people being harmed. Um, but, you know, may it lead us to liberation. Yeah, thank you, Anna. And uh, so, Noor? Um, I just want to touch on what you said earlier. You asked, like, how can we actually implement change into policies and stuff? I think it's to, uh, to think about what uh, the, the interest of politicians, of our presidents and governments are, which is money and resources. So instead of, like, going back and forth, like, vote Republican, vote Democrat, we need revolution. Like we need a tax boycott. We need an end to global militarism. We want universal health care and free education. And we want freedom from white supremacy and corruption. So um, I just think there needs to be an end to all wars. And if we show them we're serious about our business and if we continue to do what we're doing and we hit them where it hurts, which is their pockets, then change can happen um, because the more people that the, the more people that die, the more money they make. So, like, how many people need to die so that the people in power can stay in power? You know. So, yeah, I think that we should hit them financially, and that you know that'll make them like surrender. I think. Totally, it's the only language they speak, isn't it? Um, they clearly care more about money than human lives. Uh, Aisha? Yeah, just, you know, you cannot build a holy land on the bodies of the children. It, it, it's as simple as that. You're trying to justify, you know, murder with a facade of, like, religious belief and, like, religious interest. And it's incredibly sad to see, you know, how much Christianity gets, you know, taken with it. And um, <clears throat> it's just something that, you know, as a Palestinian Christian, the erasure that we go through is goes even further. It's like we exist, we're there. Palestinian Christians in Gaza where are almost it's a genocide within a genocide. It's a such a small community 
and you know these people were taking refugee refuge in churches and entire generations that we can track down to basically the first believers the living stones of what the christian faith is erased and when i tell people that they're shocked and i think it's an important point to bring in especially when you're dealing people with people in the west that have this very much ingrained idea of zionism and christianity and the holy land mm-hmm. and you know how alexis highlighted that our struggles are connected and there's not a single thing that doesn't tie back to any of us any singular person from new orleans or from all the way to i don't know michigan your tax money is paying for this when you should have free health care you should have free education so mm-hmm. and finally sabrine i just want to say for the see free palestine <laughs> and uh, so I, I, before we do go, uh, I did ask uh, Sabrine for another song to play us out on, much like uh, like last time. Can you talk a little bit about the, uh, this one? Yeah, uh, this is one of my favorite artists and songs. She just um, she calls on Palestine specifically by the names of villages, and in that song, she includes villages that were uh, occupied by Israel in 1948. And so uh, I really like that song. So that's the one Jeff will be playing at the end of this. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much to each and every one of you for joining us on the show today. Um, Sabrine, Aisha, Alexis, Anna, and Noor. Um, really, um, obviously, like solidarity with the entire Palestinian movement and liberation movements uh, across the world. Uh, and yeah, thanks so much and uh, have a wonderful day. This is Good Morning Comrade. You are listening to WHIV LP New Orleans 102.3. We love you. Bye bye. Bye-bye.